Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fresen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Good morning and welcome to the Essen Fresen show. I'm Adrian Bagatti. As we are approaching it's time to start panicking. Well, actually not really, but that's generally what we do. For some reason, Pesach puts us all into an absolute frenzy. And as soon as people mention the word Pesach, it's almost like you're being sworn at. But with my friend Lindy's help, we've been able to do this nice and in stages. So this week, her suggestion is that it is time to complete cleaning the bedrooms this week. For the older children, you just make them go through their own stuff. And then for the younger ones, Obviously, it's time for you to go through cupboards and drawers because you'd be amazed where they can hide food. You need to look into cleaning the toys and toy boxes because I've often found bread and things like that. Plastic toys, if you really want to wash them, can be placed in a cushion cover, tied, closed, and then washed in your washing machine. What's actually quite good with this is if you are doing your duvets, which we are supposed to wash but never do, then it's a good way to stop them from bunching up is by having, normally I would tell you to put tennis balls in, but you can always put in some rubber toys that aren't going to break. Um, And then it's time to start buying stuff from the green list, of course. One of the things is you can buy milk. If you're not Chal of Israel, you can actually buy the milk, or even if you are Chal of Israel, and freeze it as long as you bought it before Pesach, and it can be used during Pesach. You can also buy your eggs, obviously, any time, because there's no comments there. Then you need to sit down and plan your meals. Um, Your Seder meals are important, and there is a structure to them, because that's what Seder means. So it's time to plan your meals, and um, your meals for the week of Pesach as well. You know, we all spend so much time concentrating on the first two nights, we forget that there's a whole another week attached. So it's time to set that down. Then also looking at when your stroller or pram needs to be cleaned, your car, your high chairs, they all need to be cleaned and vacuumed quite well. Um, and so either book your car wash now or just start cleaning up. One of the tricks that I've learned over the years is I always have a plastic shopping bag in my car for a dustbin. Um, you never know when you're going to need it. And for those of you who want new clothes or need your shakels done, it's time to put aside your a, a, a time or book in your shakel for it's clean and set and also time to buy any yant of clothing if you need them. Now, one of the inevitable questions is, what is my family going to eat once we change over? Inevitable, there's nothing to eat, which isn't that much different from the rest of the year, truthfully because there's nothing to eat then either, apparently, um, is going to come up quite regularly during your lead-up to Pesach as you change over. And the truth is we just need to change the way we think. There's actually plenty to eat. Right up until almost era of Pesach, there is an opinion that even Ashkenazim may serve kitniot, stopping at the same time you would stop eating your chametz. Some say that you can use your Pesach pots for this during, you know, before Pesach, and then to keep using your pots after Pesach. Or you can have separate pot that is just for your kidney art. The truth is, because you may 
own and derive benefit from kidney oil during Pesach, just not eat it if you're an Ashkenazi person, then you can quite happily serve that. There are people who say that the pot should just stand for 24 hours after you've served kidney oil. So if you want green beans two days before kidney oil, uh, before Pesach, well, that that's what you're serving. Please do, however, check with your rabbi before doing this. It is the minhag your hiller follows that you need to stick with. There are some things that you need to think about. Remember, if you've got small children and babies, there is no baby formula or baby cereal that's specifically kidney or free. You just have to make sure that you have either new bottles or separate bottles for during this time and obviously a baby dish if you're serving baby food like a rice cereal and then obviously washing it up separately. So we used to wash it up in one of our bathrooms. There was a container and that's where everything went, all the milk bottles and spoon and the cereal bowl was there. And I think that would be the same, to, would apply to kidney oil once you've changed for Pesach. There is a also a sort of a, a ruling if you've got family who is Sephardi and you would like to eat at them, then you actually can do that if it is close family. Obviously, the Sfadi family would need to be more careful and not serve any kitniot when you're coming to visit, or you just avoid it, especially when it comes to rice, because they're allowed rice. Then we are also talking about our favorite quinoa, the quinoa question. Well, Darren, some hold that quinoa is kitniot and not permitted over Pesach. Personally, I don't think this is any loss as I don't even use it during the year. Uh, I could think of nothing worse than this weird texture in my mouth. So um, even though occasionally I do make a quinoa salad or something like that, it's usually only if I'm having guests who actually might eat it. It's time to also change our mindset about Pesach. We spend so much time focused on these huge big seders and Believe it or not, Pesach can be special on a budget, but also it's time to change up the old recipes and fix the monotony of our traditional menu. 40 years of eating the same or similar meals on Seder night gets a little more, little boring. And I personally don't like Simmas. My children have only eaten it twice and only because I suddenly realized, well, they were babies the last time and maybe I should try and see if any of them like it again. Uh, the consensus was no. So we won't be making that either. I would love to hear if you've got budget Pesach recipes or favorite Pesach recipes, or even if there's an ingredient you'd like us to talk about. You can send an SMS to 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can also send a Telegram message on 061-895-1019 or email us at info at highfm.com. Whether you are chalashing for chalas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. We're talking about um, our Pesach Seders and generally, I mean, we speak about it. The Pesach Seder always looks the same. I don't know about you, but I find that it just keeps, it doesn't change. Your Seder plate, obviously, the eggs and salt water. Danish herring, chopped herring, and maybe a third herring. The filter fish with crane. And then either some hake fillets or some salmon as your starter and a salad to go with the fish course. 
Then it is chicken soup with or without nadler. And then on to the main course. This is usually made out of a meat dish. For some sinners, for others, it is just a meat that has been cooked in a gravy or and a chicken dish. The vegetables are carrots, usually potato or butternut, and then something like a baby gem or just plain gem squash for your other vegetable with two salads, obviously, to go with the meat course. And then we serve a baked dessert or ice cream or sorbet and some fresh fruit. Quite a big meal, obviously. Then we've got, once again, lunch, a mammoth meal. Somehow we still expect people to eat this huge Seder on the second night. Does this sound familiar? Some years ago, I was doing some research on what people eat for the Seder and discovered, especially in Israel, that some families literally end their Seder with the eggs and salt water. Others will finish it with their chicken soup. Imagine us all here in South Africa sitting down with our families and telling them, Dinner ends at soup. I, I think we might have a few um, fribbles after that one because there's nothing to eat at your Seder. The truth is, over the years, I've changed my Seder. Mostly due to constraints, constraints, my Seders have become more sparse as I culled a few items off the menu. I now only serve one type of fish. Uh, in more flushes, I might do two. But considering fish is more expensive than kosher meat, it was the first thing to come off the menu. So we will have um, often like a Danish herring and gefilte fish for first night and chopped herring and gefilte fish for second night. You will note the gefilte fish because it's pretty much the only fish my family like. Um, so that was important to keep it there. And then we do our soup with knadel. That's always going to remain on my menu. My meat course is an either-or, not a both. We either have chicken or we have meat. I don't serve both. And the signs have pretty much remained the same. One starch, two veg, and a salad. And sometimes the only dessert my family get are a fruit platter. My family are not big on fruit salad. You can put the exact same fruit into a fruit salad. They won't touch it. If you put it on a platter, they're happy to eat it, and it will be cleared off quite quickly. Not only did my seders go under the knife, but so did my lunches. The truth is, why are we serving these enormous lunches and then we're expecting our guests again to eat a hearty meal a couple of hours later at seder? In those first four meals of your Pesach, most people will consume more food than they do an entire week, which is a lot. Lunch, we generally have gefilte fish. As I said, it appears at every meal because except for one person who doesn't eat any fish at all, everybody loves my mother's gefilte fish balls. And thankfully, she has taught two of my daughters how to make it. Although I'm not sure the one is going to do it this year because the smell of fish turns her away. I serve my leftover meat from the night before or the leftover chicken from the night before and then maybe one other meat for lunch with a salad We'll have some ice cream and fresh fruit as dessert. It's very light so that obviously we are ready for the next meal that is going to be coming. Now, there are two very big benefits that came from trimming my menu. The first is my budget. On average, you will spend more than that one week. You will spend more on your groceries than you will spend in an entire month. And that includes Shabbos. 
that was one thing. My Pesach budget dropped by like a quarter. And the second thing is I didn't throw out so much food. Throwing out food kills me every time. I find it very difficult to waste food. Not because there are starving people in Africa. That, that's, you know, how how is my not throwing out food going to help them? But the truth is that sustainability is an important part. And the more food we waste, the more that's required to grow and the more resources that people need to have in order to grow the amount of food we're throwing out. That is something to consider. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bugatti. It's all about the food. I'm Adrian Bugatti, and we're obviously talking Pesach prep. Getting ready for the Seder meals and Pesach has always felt like too much work. And then I would sit down at the Seder meal that I'd worked so hard to prepare and just be too exhausted to enjoy the fruits of my labor or the company of my family. Now I'm still tired by the time dinner arrives, but I am certainly a lot less stressed by the fact that we're going to be eating leftovers for the rest of the week, or as I said, throwing out food, which I hate doing. And then another thought occurred, the hatred, not the hatred, that's too strong a word, the dislike of preparing for Pesach is an inherited trait. One we, not inherited, one we teach our children. We teach them to stress over Pesach, to dislike the preparation of Pesach, to take no pleasure in it. And yet Pesach is a joyous occasion. It's the time the Jews were freed from slavery. How can our children enjoy this or learn to enjoy this when all they see is us slaving away preparing for Pesach? We're stressing about cleaning. We're stressing about what to make and how much to make and how much it's costing us and who's coming when and how many people we're seating. I do remember one year I worked out over the eight days of Pesach. I served 400 meals. That is a lot of food to serve in one week. Be aware that that is a something we need to change. We need to change our mindset of how to make Pesach enjoyable. Uh, one of the things was for me finding Lindy's group, being able to start prepping slowly. Another one was turning an outside storage room, and it is really tiny, just so you know. Only one person can fit in at a time. And I turned that into a little Pesach prep room. Being privileged to do that has made my Pesach definitely a lot easier, especially when there were small children. I do know people who set up trestle tables outside their main kitchen so that they can prep then outside without having to change over too early and have the struggle of little kids bringing comments into your Pesach kitchen. So that was a big help for people. And, you know, it was just a, a little small change that made things so much easier. Now I'm going to share a recipe, quite funny, it's simple. It's my basic chicken soup. And surprisingly for a household where everybody here loves soup, whether it's hot or cold soup, I don't actually often make chicken soup. But it's definitely a menu item for Pesach and usually for Yantav. For some reason, I don't know why I don't make it during the week. And everybody loves it. So when somebody gets sick, I'm usually scrambling around for a chicken soup that's not made with stock powder, but rather made with love. So here is this very, very easy soup recipe. It's a whole chicken. You can 
put it in whole or quarter it, and you're going to use that to flavor your soup. Four large carrots, peeled and sliced, one onion quartered. Now, some recipes tell you to keep the skin on. It gives a good color, but I prefer uh, Pesach especially. I'm going to peel it because you don't know what's under the skin, and you can't really wash the skin. One turnip cut into pieces, celery stalk, a handful of Italian parsley, and the reason I say Italian parsley is it is a flat leaf and you can check it. A small piece of ginger root peeled and bruised, one clove of garlic. Now, both of these are optional and I use them because I do not use the stock powder. If you're going to use stock powder, you can leave those out if you choose to, or you can still use them even with the stock powder. One large tomato, four chicken cubes, or the stock cubes, or two tablespoons of stock powder, salt and pepper to taste, and one bay leaf. You're going to put everything into one pot, and you're going to cover it with cold water and bring it to boil. Now, when you bring it to boil very quickly, you find that scum comes to the top of your soup, and it can be quite difficult to get rid of it. You've got to use, there's certain um, slotted spoons that you can use. They are big round discs with holes in them, not your normal slotted spoon because that slot is too too large to keep the skim from falling back into the soup. But I have learned something. If you bring it up to heat very slowly, you are less likely to get that skim on the top of your soup, which makes it easier to clean off. Another method of getting that skim off is to put a thick piece of paper towel onto it and then lift it off, and it'll often do that. It'll also reduce the amount of fat in your soup. You're going to simmer for about one and a half hours or until your chicken is soft, and then very carefully remove your chicken in case you want to use it later. Put it to the side, and you are going can strain your soup if you want a clear consomme or a clear soup, or you can leave in your veg, and I will often put in pieces of the chicken into the soup so that it's got a meaty taste to it. This soup makes about four to six servings. I often, like I said, don't know quantities. I will often double or triple this, and then we have it during the week. Now, the other recipe I am going to share with you is my very quick, fantastic, lovely knedlach. Now, one of the things that I do with my knedel is I cook them separately to my soup. I do it in salted water. You can, I know a friend of mine who puts stock powder into her water and cooks her knedel like in there so that they have flavor. And my knedel are very, very easy to make. You use, if you can, if you can get schmaltz, two tablespoons of schmaltz, two eggs, some salt and pepper to taste, a bit of cinnamon and matzo meal. And as you can see, there are not really any quantities here. So what we do is you obviously put the fat, so your schmaltz, your eggs, your salted pepper and your cinnamon into a bowl. You blend those together and then you slowly start adding your matzo meal until you get a consistency that you can make into balls that aren't going to fall apart. On the stove, you're going to have your pot of boiling water. Now, before you put your knedel in, you must make sure that the water is actually boiling. If the water isn't boiling, when you drop your knedel in, they're going to break apart. So make sure it is boiling. 
and then drop it in. You boil it until soft. Now, it depends on how you like your knadler. We like them very soft. So I would boil it for about 45 minutes in the salted water. And then just before Yantav, I transfer it out and I put it into the chicken soup that I'm going to be serving. And it takes up some of the flavor of that beautiful chicken soup. And it carries on in the hot water, just getting softer and softer. If you are not, if you've got people who don't eat matzo meal or, or uh, should I say matzo balls on Pesach coming for your Seder, keep them in your salted water, keep them in a pot in your warmer until it's ready to serve and you have a delicious soup with knedlach. It's nice and very simple, easy. I would still love to hear your budget ideas, your favorite recipes or ingredients. And you can send that to 34519. Your SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send a telegram message on 061-895-1019 or email us at chaifem.com. Carrying on with talking about Pesach and some ideas for Pesach. One of the things that we need to think about is how many foods there are available for Pesach rather than how little is available. So one of the things I've, over the years that I've struggled with is the bread rolls that you can get over Pesach or the recipes for bread rolls. Um, I just find that it defeats the purpose of Pesach is supposed to be without bread. But a lot of people want the rolls, especially for their children and for just in general, people like rolls. So if you have the, um, it's an old one and it is my Pesach Passover recipe and guidebook. Um, I'm not even sure who made it. It is that old. It, my edition is from 1990. Oh, <laughs> It was the Pretoria Herzliya High School project. So it's the Herzliya book. Um, I've actually got two because I've got one inside the house for during the year and one outside for Pesach. Um, and there are some really amazing uh, recipes in here. This is my basically my go-to recipe book. But some things that you can make um, over Pesach for the family to eat. Lakas. Everybody loves lakas. Eggs, any kind of egg, souffles, omelets, blintzes and pancakes made with potato flour. Why not? Those are something different. I even found a recipe for a Passover quiche in this book. I must admit I've never made it uh, just because it seems weird to me. And the funny thing is that all these things are stuff that people have grown up with for years. But for me, as a growing up reform in all those years ago, it was quite a thing that we didn't have any of this. Even the lokshan, the egg lokshan, which is basically a crepe that you make with potato flour, roll it up and then serve it sliced very thin as noodles in your soup. Now those ones are actually quite nice and very similar to during the year, I think to something like yachnun, although obviously made with potato flour and potato starch and eggs. So that's the that's the one thing. Now, if you want proper schmaltz, very hard to get proper chicken schmaltz. What you do is when you 
using that whole chicken in your chicken soup. If you make your chicken soup ahead of time and you let it get cold, it forms like a fatty layer on top. Put it in the fridge, it gets hard. You then carefully scoop that up and there is your real schmaltz. Just an amazing flavor. And then you can just flavor it up. One of the things is gribbonus. Now, gribbonus is crispy onions and chicken skins that have been fried in schmaltz. So if you like that sort of what I would call it a, a, a forbidden pleasure because, I mean, it's deep fried fat. What could be better? Um, enjoy that. Then there are, you know, you can make a lot of salads for during the week. Cabbage salad, there's nothing wrong with cabbage salad. There's nothing wrong with carrot salad, potato salad even. Whether you're using baby potatoes or full potatoes are a great addition to your meals. And keep your family full. Now, macaroons, obviously, everybody seems to make that. I'm not a huge coconut fan, so my family actually hasn't ever had them unless somebody bought them for us. The truth is that when you're buying these box cakes on Pesach, you have to think to yourself, do I eat this much cake during the year? Why have I got cake every single day of Pesach when during the year we have cake only for Yantav or Shabbos? It's just a way of thinking. What are our children really going to starve if they're no crisp or sweets or chocolate during Pesach? Especially in a house if you don't have that during the year. My house, chips, chocolates, that kind of thing, those were Shabbos treats. And I've stayed that way. They are only on Yantav or Shabbos. So we do have more during the week of Pesach because obviously we've got the Seder and Shabbos, but we don't have them during the week unless there are leftovers lying around. The same with cold drinks. I do tend towards a more almost, I'd like to say Lubavitch Pesach, but not quite because I try and avoid the processed stuff, the processed food. For me, it originally started with an allergy to a synthetic MSG and everything in those days, this is like 25, 30 years ago, had MSG added to everything. So all the powdered soups, all even the cold meats, you'll see some of them do have it added as a flavor. It is a delicious flavor, but for some reason, I cannot have synthetic MSG. The MSG that is in foods naturally, because there is a lot, like tomatoes have MSG in them, I find I'm okay with. As soon as you add it as a spice or as an additive for flavoring, I can't have it. So I learned to make everything from scratch. I still tend to make most of my stuff from scratch. I did stop making the tomato puree um, just because it was so much work. But I also find that I struggle to pay the kind of prices that we are paying for our foods, especially the imported things. You know, it, it's not necessary. Why are we doing it to ourselves? That is an important thing. And another delicious, delicious soup. It's a delicious vegetable. It makes an amazing salad and it has some great health benefits. Is beetroot soup or beetroots in general. Um, so my family, we love just plain boiled beetroot with some salt and pepper, peeled nicely, obviously, to eat as a vegetable. Or I do it wrapped in foil with some garlic cloves and lots of oil in the, um, you know, in, in the oven, very slow roasted. It does take a while. So it's important to remember that. 
beetroot is just so versatile and so healthy. It really is something that people should get used to. It's cheap and it is delicious. So the beetroot soup, beautiful served. You can serve it cold with a small, with a hot baby potato in the center and some, well, I don't know if we're getting Orly Whip this year, but some kind of cream substitute, or you can make it for a mulchic lunch and serve it with real cream. That is an amazing thing to do. Um, and it's just such an important thing. You know, it, it's simple syrup is another additive. You make it instead of regular sugar over Pesach and add it to your soup. Now, obviously, some people do not have matzo balls in their soup. But for me, matzo balls don't only have to have chicken soup. They don't only have to be plain over Pesach. During the week, during the Cholomite of Pesach, what I do is I take mincemeat recipe, roll them into very small balls, and then I make a sort of a triple amount of my knadel recipe, and I wrap some of that dough around the meatballs, and I will often sit with that with tomato soup as a dinner. It is very, very filling, so it is something that you can have. Now, there is something that I came across, and it's mostly from the Moroccan Jews. It's something called Manoa. No, Mimona. It is almost like a fried pancake, and it just looked quite interesting. Uh, it can also be called mufleta. So if you'd like to find out more about that, please let me know and I will find us a really good recipe. You are, I'm Adrian and this is the Essen Fresen Show. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fresen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Welcome back. I'm Adrian, and it is time for your updates around the world. Once again, please just check the uh, Kosher SA site for information on Yoshin if it applies to you as bakeries and things start to run out of their Yoshin flour. That's an important thing to do. And then some Kosher updates from around the world. I didn't find anything new for South Africa on the Kosher SA site, so we will just skip to overseas. On the 9th of March, the Orthodox Rabbinical Council of British Columbia sent out a repeat notice, and it says, please be advised that various products sold by Salento Organics bear an unauthorized Kosher Check logo. This is, they are not certified by the Orthodox Rabbinical Council of British Columbia. So obviously it's been a problem before and is being dealt with. Then on March the 6th from the OU, Lucky Charms Marshmallow Pancake Mix from General Mills Inc. in Mexico has an unauthorized OU symbol. The Orthodox Union does not certify Lucky Charms Complete Marshmallow Pancake Mix. Some boxes produced for Mexico bear an unauthorized OU dairy mark. Um, corrective actions are being implemented. And obviously that is because marshmallows are usually made with gelatin. Then March 6th from KMD Kosher, that is the Mexican Kosher authorities, the Mez- uh, Mezcalada um, has 
something called great value snacks. They are not kosher, even with the KMD logo. So please be aware of that. Then if uh, a food alert, New Nutrition Limited, recalls multiple flavors of amino energy drinks, which were imported into Israel without approval. Please refer to the recall notice for a complete list of products. Now, you can find that on where I get all my kosher updates from, and that is on kosher.org. They will be able to tell you everything. So as far as the editor of the eFoodAlert.com knows, none of the products are kosher. Then from OK Kosher, please be advised that Summerhill Markets, that is in Toronto, on uh, Toronto, Ontario, double cream brie and triple cream brie sold in Summerhill Market locations bear an unauthorized OK symbol. These products are not certified by OK Kosher. Corrective action is being taken. And that is all I have for you for this week. Another week closer to Pesach. So hopefully you are well on your way, way to being prepared and ready for an enjoyable and stress-free Pesach this year. Thank you for joining me. I'm Adrian Bugatti and this is the Essen Fresh Show.